Welcome to Puck Talk CS. I'm Chives, Matthew Mugno with Steve-O. Ready to talk Rangers hockey. A lot of action before Christmas. Hope the holidays and Christmas was great for every one of our listeners. We've really had an uptick of our following. So greatly appreciate that and very excited to continue to cover this team that is one of the best in the entire NHL. Yeah, Chives, how was the holidays? Holidays were good for me, um, repping. You could see that Raider Nation. Um, that was a Christmas miracle. Uh, aside from that, you know, it's everything else. But seeing family, seeing friends, it's always a good time of the year. Um, and I, I, I hope everyone can share in those same experiences. And I know we chat a little bit before, but uh, how were your holidays? I see you got a new third jersey behind you. I do. That was a gift from my dad. Um uh having it you know i, I kind of changed my opinion on it a little bit you know yeah. i know on the, i know on the pod i wasn't uh that much of a supporter but like seeing it in person um uh, you've had the opportunity to see it in person you know in the garden you know mm-hmm. so but seeing you know this is my first time seeing it in person and my opinion's changed on it a little bit so uh it was great holidays was great hope everybody's holiday was great as we lead up to the new year we got some new things to talk here on this week's episode so let's talk some puck chimes i know you're eager to talk about this i wrote about it igor's bounce back is i think the main i i don't know if it's the main storyline but i think for you and i we've talked about it the last few weeks here on puck talk steve tell me your thoughts about igor shesterkin and how he performed against the buffalo sabers yeah, he's been fantastic these last few games um, ever since. I think it was last episode where we ripped into him a little bit and everything that we said that he needed to turn around. Listen, he came out and we said it. He, This is who he is, and he's one of those guys that could be off and come back in and totally turn it around. And that's the qualities of attendee that you love to see. I got two main things here, Chives, and of course, Igor is one of them. Um, obviously, we needed that. That was a great, fantastic game before the holiday break. Obviously, rebound rebounding off a tough loss. Every loss is is difficult, but especially an Oilers team that really hasn't been leading up to expectations this year. Coming back and getting that one in before the holiday break was fantastic, and Igor has been money, man. Big game. Last couple of big games have been awesome. Uh, before I say my next point, you could jump in on Igor here. Yeah, no, I just thought uh, the way he performed when they needed him most in the third period in overtime, I, I penned this right for the hockey news and everything, but on the mic here from the voice of, of, you know, Matthew Mugno, I would say just in my opinion, Peter Laviolette stated, I asked him post game, you know, how important is this for Igor's confidence? And what he stated was kind of like, not that it wasn't important, but that his confidence is already there. I genuinely don't think it was there. Uh, I, I do think he was looking at, quick and saying like you know I got to perform better and looking at himself he's very hard on himself I think he needed this confidence win and a confidence win for Igor Shesterkin is a game where he has an effect on it so an effect direct effect on the result and he had that in the overtime he made a bunch of big saves on breakaways a a save shorthanded in the third period when the game was tied it's the games where he's going to have an effect on the outcome that are going to build his confidence. And that's when the Rangers need him most in the postseason. So that's my take on that. Like this was big because it wasn't just a win. I felt like he didn't have to do a lot in Boston. Uh, that was what his last start. This was a game where he needed to be at his best in big moments and he delivered. 
and the garden was behind him. So I, I think that is the aspect and the takeaway I have from it is he had an effect on the game and that's the most important part, an effect on the result. Yeah, for sure. Um, moving along to my second point. And listen, confidence win for Igor is definitely a confident confidence win for this Rangers team and us Rangers fan as well. Mm-hmm. My second point, uh, and this is going to be big as the season goes on and definitely something that I want to see this team improve on, is five-on-five play. And, you know, when you get to the playoffs and even get, as soon as we start playing the Devils and Islanders way more in Carolina in the last you know month of the season – you gotta score. You gotta score even at even strength. The Rangers' power play has been so explosive. I mean, you saw Panarin notch that one in uh, in the Buffalo game. I mean, this we got one of the best power plays in the entire league, and I think our percentage is at 31 percent. I mean, that's pretty darn effective. However, I mean, it's not something you want to be able to rely on. And again, you saw in the postseason, going back to that Devils series, you know. When you rely on on power play opportunities, and again, I think it was game four that we didn't get opportunities, and again, we came up empty-handed. So uh, you got to be able to hit and find the back of the net, and and that's something I want to see this team play a little bit better uh, on five-on-five. Power play is explosive, but I want to see more of that five-on-five play here, Chad. Yeah, I do think there is an aspect to the this team that it seems like there's still a little bit more to be had, and part of that is – uh, the first line starting to click. Uh, Blake Wheeler has points in his last five games. Mika Zibanejad's really heating up. Chris Kreider has already been uh, delivering the way he has the last two seasons and the way he's built on the last two seasons. Mr. PPG, right, like reaches the goal total mark to tie third or or to take third in a club history. So I, I do think the first line starting to produce, but like you said, Reaching that consistently five on five, you don't want the power play to be the crutch. And I do agree. Last postseason, that's what it seemed like. And it seemed like when they lost to Tampa in 2022 Eastern Conference Final, that was part of it too, was they needed those power play opportunities to get back into a game. You don't want that to be the crutch. You want it to be something that is a surefire, like, oh, team takes a penalty, you know you're comfortable on the power play. Well, we've known that for three years now, and Lobby Let's system is and and everything that he's bringing to the table with the coaching staff is supposed to help with that. And I do see improvements, but I do agree that, you know, that's something that's going to take a little bit of time, I think for this team to adjust to those habits and adjust to that game. So I think obviously we can only see what happens with that moving forward, but I do, uh, I agree with that takeaway because you don't want the power play to be something that you're yearning for at the end of you of a game. You just want your guys to, find the back of the net uh no matter what situation they're in yeah i couldn't say that better myself and it's going to be key when we're playing two important teams this weekend coming up with we got florida and we got tampa both florida teams and they are very well two very well disciplined teams um i know that you know we were kind of a little bit both wrong on the tampa aspect in the early on the season um but no surprise there i mean those are two disciplined teams so We'll, we'll see if uh, Igor will get the nod in one of them, and we'll see if they can pick up the five-on-five play uh, starting uh, maybe Washington tonight. So we'll see. Steve-O, we have a special guest today. Patrick Williams writes for the AHL and NHL.com. We, I think, do not always gain the perspective on the Hartford Wolfpack, on the AHL in general. And as Johnny Brodzinski said to me last week, 
It's the second best professional league in the world. With that, Patrick Williams, so glad you could join us. How are you tonight? Hi, how are you? How's it going? Good. Love, love to have you on. Love to have a new perspective. A lot of the times we have either writers for opponents on. Mm-hmm. This is, I think, a perspective that a lot of fans don't have is about the American Hockey League. So how many years have you been covering uh, any teams in the AHL? Yeah, so, you know, I kind of uh, been back and forth NHL and AHL. I did Winnipeg Jets for five years. Uh, their beat, uh, and then I was in the AHL before that, and then I kind of made full circle back to the AHL. Uh, that was in 2016, so it's been a while. It's been 15-plus years now, um, you know, for a variety of uh, media outlets. But, uh, yeah, you're right, second-best league in the world, and, you know, it's where 85 90% of your NHL players come from, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it's kind of, you know, I always, you know, for people that aren't familiar with it, I, you know, I kind of equate it to be what college football is for the NFL or, mm-hmm. you know, college basketball for the NBA, kind of that, that same, um, that same type of feeder system. And with that, obviously this podcast is geared towards the New York Rangers. I've had the opportunity mm-hmm. to work with Adam Edstrom, Ryan Lindgren, Igor Shesterkin, Johnny Brodzinski. These are players that, Fans, when these players come up, they see that and, mm-hmm. and they enjoy the story, but they don't really do a lot of the digging or pay much attention. Now, last year, I want to talk a little bit more about the base level with the AHL. How do you see the American League players adjust to the NHL level? Because I think that's something mm-hmm. like what is something that sticks out with that, that you see in specific players that allow them to bring their game up to the NHL level? I think so much of that comes down to the role. And I think that's where a lot of HL players kind of struggle because let's say typically if you're getting called up, you're probably a top six forward, let's say, well, then you come in and you're, you're, you're in the NHL and you're put on the bottom, bottom six. You're probably on the fourth line. You, you might be asked to play a totally different role. You might be asked to, to, you know, kill penalties. You're, you're kind of, you're you're obviously you're in an even better league and you're playing really completely different roles so those guys tend to struggle more right like and it tends to be the players that maybe are third fourth liners in the hl that can kind of find their niche uh that tend to come up to the nhl and really succeed um so it's a little bit kind of upside down for like what people might typically expect um but you know the players that can make that adaptation successfully um, and I'll use Tampa Bay as an example. Like if you're Tampa Bay over the last five years, you don't need somebody to come up there and compete with Steven Stamkos mm-hmm. for a job, right? Like they have that part covered. You, you need somebody that can come in and play third, fourth line, eat minutes up, uh, you know, kill penalties, kind of fill whatever role is necessary. The guys that have stuck in Tampa and, and there've been a lot that have, that have come up through the HL in Tampa have always been guys that are very kind of they're well schooled they're, they're they're 200 foot players and they're able to really kind of adapt and and, and fit into exactly where the Tampa Bay Lightning need them it's it's guys that that you know maybe they put up huge numbers in the HL but you know if, if the rest of their game isn't really you know fully together it can be a difficult adjustment, you know, if you're trying to break into a lineup because you're not pushing the top six out in the NHL. Like that just doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, 
because of the cap and because of obviously talent and, and you know, all sorts of things like that. Something Johnny Brodzinski, I had the chance to talk to him a little bit more and he's helped mm-hmm. me gain some perspective uh, in his time coming up. And um, he's been very available for the media, which is great. Uh, I've had the opportunity to talk to him a lot one-on-one. Something that I was curious about was he is the captain of the team. Mm-hmm. He's now up with the New York Rangers. What are the adjustments like with the transaction movement with the East Coast League and the National League with the AHL? Because it is a little bit in the middle of the road mm-hmm. on the course to the National League. So how does that work within clubs? Like, How does a team like the Hershey uh, Bears c- remain consistently successful? That's where you really need good veterans. Like a Brodzinski. Now, Brodzinski is a little different because he's a guy that, that's going up and up and back to the NHL on a pretty consistent basis. And now it's probably mm-hmm. going to be up there for a while. Um, but, you know, like, you know, you think of the Hershey Bears. Well, they've always had a good base of AHL veterans, not guys that are going to necessarily go up to the Washington Capitals, but guys that are, are you know, kind of like they're settled in where they are at the AHL level. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they, they're brought in, you know, both to produce on the ice um, because that's a huge part, I think, especially in the first first half of the season especially where some of the younger players are trying to trying to find their game and get used to the pro level you you need some of those older guys to kind of you know carry the weight there you know for a mm-hmm. while you know until those guys young guys can catch up uh and then also just the leadership aspect there's so much that goes into you know you're bringing a young player into the pro level like right? there might they might be i mean like you look at your uh colleague um in Rochester, you know, first round pick, but he was 18 years old. Mm-hmm. Right. So like you need a good base of veteran guys, leaders around just to help them like off the ice, right. Like, you know, somebody to, you know, help them get a place to live and, and that sort of thing. All, yeah. all the things that like people maybe don't really think about, but are huge parts of like getting a player settled in and, um, and just sort of learning the pro habits, you know, like, you know, like, all right, what, what nutrition works best, you know, like, you know, what's the best, you know, like workout regimen, all that kind of stuff. Like, you know, and so those guys are really valuable, those older guys. And they, they really do kind of like, they stabilize things a lot because you're right. You're getting, you're, you know, you're trying to get, you know, you're getting players pulled up at the NHL level. And you're also, you know, helping the ECHL team by sending guys down. So, you know, it's kind of like you're, you're you're in the middle, you're getting kind of like pulled in both directions. So it's, uh, it's a challenge definitely. And, you know, like I've had AHL coaches, you know, tell me that like, you know, games at seven o'clock, four thirty, five o'clock, they don't actually know who's in their lineup. Because mm-hmm. it's like, you know, it depends on, you know, the NHL's team sending somebody down last minute, calling somebody up, you know, maybe they're holding a guy out of the lineup. So it's, it's a, it's a real challenge. Like, you know, like that's, you saw someone like Chris Knobloch, when he was mm-hmm. at Hartford, that was like, you know, one of his biggest challenges was just getting some sort of stability and getting some systems in place and, and, and having that consistency. And, that, and that's, if you can do that, um, that's huge because that Hartford struggled with that for years and years. Um, it was honestly probably one of the least productive farm systems mm-hmm. for a long time. It was only in the last couple of years and now you're starting to see it, you know, produce some players and now, okay, now you get a Will Colley coming up and you get, obviously Brzezinski, uh, you know, Zach Jones, you're starting to see some, some benefits now. With that, actually, it's so funny that you kind of segued already where I was like thinking of going. You've mm-hmm. seen players come up now through the New York Rangers system. 
And you see a player like Will Coley, right? Uh, Zach Jones, you mentioned. Mm -hmm. Igor was there for a little bit. Ryan Lindgren was there for a little bit. With the history of the Hartford Wolfpack, how impactful was Knobloch and how impactful is Steve Smith in the direction of the club? Well, yeah, you know, like, I mean, Knobloch was, was, was big. Um, I think Ryan Martin coming in as the assistant GM was big. Uh, he came in a couple years ago. He had come in from Detroit. Okay. So he was working with Eiserman, who's, you know, you know, fantastic at building a farm system. Like he did it in Tampa. He's mm-hmm. doing it in Detroit with Grand Rapids. Like, so Ryan Martin kind of learned from him, brought that into Hartford. Um, if you notice, like last year, they made a real push at the trade deadline to bring some some guys in to help Hartford get in the playoffs. And they, they actually, you know, they, they did a little bit of damage in the playoffs. Like, then Dylan Grand got, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, a lot of, um, you know, great experience going through the, you know, couple rounds of playoffs. Um, you know, they ca- carried it over this season. So, Steve Smith, I think it's early to say, like, he kind of, he really did get, you know, the, he got kind of a difficult task given to him, like, you know, mm-hmm. like, knowing what it was like that day in Hartford when, when Knobloch got hired by Edmonton. I mean, literally, they had a game at three o'clock. Players showed up at the rink, and, you know, like, depending on the timeline, who you ask, not all the players were even aware that he had been hired yet. Like, so, oh. like yeah. So, like, wow. Okay. Getting, like, Oh, by the way, you know, we have a new coach, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, it, it's not like, you know, typically if you're getting a new coach, it's because the coach is getting fired. Right. Like, yeah. You know, but like Hartford was rolling, like they were, in a, you know, doing really well and just, you know, circumstances beyond their control. They lose their coach on a game day. You know, they had, they had to get on a bus then go to Providence and play a road game that night. And uh, just, you know, just that's the nature of the league. It's always changing. And you can see what like coaches are up against. Like just when you kind of like get everything, you know, in place, you get your players, your system, then it kind of gets all, you know, blown up and you got to, you know, kind of, you know, change on the fly. Now with that, there's probably less consistency from season to season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Last season, the Hartford Wolfpack, right? We saw, I think a lot of hockey fans got into AHL action because of some of the intense games that were mm-hmm. happening in the playoffs. Hartford made it three rounds. What has elevated the success of the club overall? Uh, I mean, for one, they're just, they're bringing in better, better talent. Like, you know, like people will overlook like, okay, Riley Nash, right. They'll look, okay, he's 34. He's, you know, guy that's kind of like been around, but like, you know, he's played like, I think almost 500, 600 NHL games. So like, Mm -hmm. that's a great resource if you're a young player to learn from right? Like mm-hmm. a guy that's been there, he's done that, you know, he was a top prospect at one point himself, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, so like, and he can also go out and give, get you 15, 20 goals, right? Like mm-hmm. he can win you some games as well. So, um, you know, so when you're bringing in, let's say, uh, you know, like an Adam Sakura, right. You know, or Brennan Othman, you know, go those guys like, all right, you know, if, if, if they don't have anybody to learn from, right. Like then it's kind of like, you know, it's, they're, they're trying to lead themselves. And I've seen that with other teams, and it just doesn't work. Like you need some older guys to really help them. So, so that's been the first thing. So like, they're just a more competitive group. And I think they're finally starting to draft better too. Like, you know, like it's, it's always kind of a chicken in the egg thing mm-hmm. with draft and develop. It's like, well, is the development system not working or is, are we just putting, you know, weak draft picks in there? Like, and usually it's somewhere, some combination of the two, like, and then like the trick is to kind of figure out how much of it, uh, of each, but 
Um, but yeah, it, it's a challenge. I think they are starting to draft better. Um, uh, so th- that's the first thing you're putting good talent into the system. And then, then once that talent's in the system, now you're starting to put some, some good, you know, supporting cast around them to help those young players grow. I think something that fans are always curious about is how those top prospects are doing and how they're transitioning. So at the AHL level, what goes into the moment they're drafted, put on the jersey and walk on the stage, they're placed in the AHL. For Alexi Lafreniere and Capo Caco, a lot of the complaints were that they weren't developed in the AHL. Yeah. What goes into – this is a very broad stroke yeah. of the brush, but what goes – what are some of the aspects that go into developing top prospects at the American league level? Well, I think sometimes it comes down like, you know, the organizational philosophy, number one, number two, the sort of the outside pressures, like, all right, like, so you get like, uh, you know, someone like, you know, Kako and like, you know, there's a lot of pressure to put him right in the lamp, right? Like mm-hmm. you used to super high draft pick on him, right? Like, you know, it's tough to the message then, okay, we're sent him to the AHL, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, like there's been so much hype. Now you look at what other teams have done though. Like you look at New Jersey, for example, like Shimon Nemitz, he played, you know, a year and, you know, plus in the AHL, uh, Seattle, Shane Wright, who was at one point considered, you know, likely first overall pick. He's, he's in Coachella Valley. Uh, he's been there most of the season. Like he played part of last season there. So, um, it really comes out, I think sometimes it comes down to what the, the need is at the NHL level. Like, Hey, do we, do we need somebody we can plug in the lineup right now? Or do we have a little bit of time? But, um, yeah, there is a challenge there just in terms of, um, if you can wait and get the, get them, you know, like Buffalo, for example, is very patient. And that was always the knock against them up until a couple of years ago was they rushed their, their prospects. And uh, like, you know, the last few years, like, you know, they've really taken their time. JJ Paterka, uh, Jack Quinn, you know, uh, Kulik, uh, Rosine, like, like those guys have all gotten a good amount of time now in Rochester to kind of really learn their pro game. Cause like most of the time these guys can come in and, you know, offensively they're, they're able to, to hold their own at the AHL level, but like, it's a lot of, you know, you'll hear this phrase a lot from coaches. Like we have to coach the junior out of the player. Okay. Like a lot of these guys in junior got away with some things just because they had so much more talent than everybody around them. Mm-hmm. And so now they're coming in and well, you know, you're coming to the pro game. Everyone's got talent. And so now you got to kind of like, you got to figure out some other things in your game where maybe on a, on a given night, maybe you're, you're, you're not going offensively, but like, can you, can you bring something else to the lineup? Can you go out there and win a face off late in the game? Can you go kill a penalty? Can you, you know, shut down, you know, the opposing team's top line. That's the thing kind of where, like, that's where the AHL really comes in and players start to really learn that part of the game as well. Brennan Offman, after one of the first preseason games, said that almost exact quote. He said, the coaches are trying to help me get out of those junior habits. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because that, that just like rung, you know, for all the reporters, it was something that, over time, I really wanted to learn more about the AHL level because I thought mm-hmm. to myself, like, what goes into all of that? Um, yeah. With that stated, how are the younger prospects for the Rangers in the uh, American League developing? You have Brennan Offman, Sycora, who's now the captain of a World Juniors team, mm-hmm. Brett Berard, who seems like 
he could be a depth guy in the future for the team. How are those players uh, performing at the American League level? I think, you know, kind of like taken as a whole, like, uh, you know, pretty well. Like, you know, Hartford overalls, you know, I mean, they've had some ups and downs, but all things considered, like considering they had a coaching change, you know, a month in the year, like um, pretty well. I, I think if uh, if you're the Rangers and you're kind of looking across the board there, like Berard, I'm pretty, I'd be pretty happy with him seeing, you know, like what he's been doing so far. You know, a guy coming, kind of coming in and, you know, I don't think people knew a ton about him just in terms of like how he would kind of translate to the pro level, but he'd be, he's holding his own Othman certainly um, like, you know, kind of plays with that edge, you know, and it's like, you know, he's, he's brought that into the pro game and sometimes guys get away from also what's made them successful. Like sometimes they, they go too much the other way, like trying to like, you know, be like reinvent themselves. So like, it's a line that, you know, young prospects have to walk. Like you want to do what's always made you successful, but you also want to add something to your game too. And mm-hmm. so I think that's what he's trying to do there in Hartford and, you know, kind of round out his game and, you know, like Sakura, you know, like a guy that's, you know, I would have loved to have seen Sakura come over and play junior last year just to mm-hmm. kind of get, you know, a little bit more familiarity, but you know, that's, you know, that's, you know, said and done. So yeah, he's in Hartford. Uh, he's been impressive at different points. So like, I just, uh, overall, you know, like, I like kind of the, like what they have going on in Hartford right now. Like, you know, they're competitive every night. They work hard. They're, they're pretty well structured. Um, you know, I think that bodes well, you know, like, and if you can get these guys into the playoffs, like, you know, like it's, it's fantastic hockey, right? Like you're, you're, you're getting guys. I mean, you know, I've had players that, you know, played both NHL, AHL. It's, it's the closest thing you're going to get to the NHL is, is mm-hmm. the Powder Cup playoffs. Like you're not getting anything closer, you know, so it's the next best thing. And if you can get those guys, like, you know, to get, you know, maybe, you know, you think about it, like uh, you can get, you know, 10 extra 10, 20 games, a high level, high level competition. If you, if you really go far in the playoffs. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I think it's great. I think, you know, Hartford at least is just competitive now. That's the thing because for years they were just bad. You know, every year they were kind of the bottom five in the league and, you know, they were kind of like neither winning nor developing. So you're kind of like, well, what are you doing here, right? Like, mm-hmm. you should be doing – really, you're doing both. Uh, maybe you're doing one or the other, but, like, they were doing none of it. So, you know, like, now at least, okay, you know, now, now you have some prospects in there. And at some point, I think that's when the, the veterans will hand over some of that responsibility to the to, to the younger guys. Now we're kind of getting into the, almost the second half of the year. That's where you want to see them start to, okay, you know, like, like you know, take on more responsibility, take on heavier minutes, that sort of thing. And then, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, March, April, it's kind of the young guys team and they can kind of, you know, carry that team in the playoffs. For the Rangers fan that doesn't really follow the Wolf Pack regularly, um, is there anyone that you've seen that's made a really big impact this season that's really going under the radar that you think deserves uh, recognition? Yeah, you know, like, uh, Matthew Robertson, Robertson, I, I know, like, he's kind of been, you know, one of those prospects that, you know, has kind of been a little controversial just in the sense, like, you know, that he came in kind of a lot of promise and, you know, it's been kind of a slow road, but like, I felt like he's taken some strides this year, you know, like, you know, it's a big year for him. I mean, they're all big years, but some, some are even bigger than others. And, you know, so I've been pretty happy with him, like seeing what, um, he's doing and just, uh, and I keep coming back to Othman, but I, I, re- I just like that he's he's coming in like he doesn't 
he doesn't seem intimidated by what's around him, right? Like he's a young guy coming in, but he's not like, you know, shying away from, you know, you know, sticking his nose into, you know, into the fray and kind of like, you know, mixing it up with opponents. So um, those are kind of the, the two guys I think that really have stood out for me. Like, and then, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy with Grand. You know, like I think, I think they have something there. Like, you know, goalies are, you know, kind of a whole, you know, different uh, development uh, cycle. Um, you know, you have to be very patient with them. But uh, I think, you know, for him, like he's now, he's about a year, year and change into his development, you know, at the pro level. And, um, you know, I think if you're, if you're the Rangers, you have to be pretty happy. In that. And that's a nice thing for them. Like they don't have to rush them, right? Like they're, they're, they're set you know, with their goaltending for now, like, you know, it's just starting obviously. And, you know, like you don't have to like force him before he's ready. And I think that's just, uh, that's ideally like if you can get your overall, you know, you know, team, both at the NHL and the AHL levels, if you can get them to that point, you're, you're just that much further ahead. Yeah. I think uh, something you touched upon was the history of the Wolfpack. Mm-hmm. Last question for you. What, I guess not what was the reason for that, but who was the pioneer behind turning things around? Ooh, uh, well, I'd say Knobloch was the first one that came in. Like he, he definitely, um, you know, is, you know, like I worked with Keith McCambridge, uh, the previous head coach, like he was in Winnipeg. He's a good coach, but like, he just, it just was not a, he didn't have the right group of players and just, it was one of those teams that like they just never fit together. So, mm-hmm. you know, Knobloch came in, like he kind of was just like a, a new face. And then, like, yeah, I come back to Ryan Martin. I think like anybody that can kind of learn side by side with Steve Iserman. I mean, I think that was a, a really, really good undercover move by the Rangers to get him. Like it's not a, the kind of move that's going to get a lot of attention, but mm-hmm. those are the guys, like if, if you look at like the top NHL teams, they have, tons of guys like the Ryan Martins, like guys that are kind of in the background, but like, you know, are kind of making, you know, everything work and, you know, like really smart. Like he's, you talk to him for like two minutes and he's just a smart guy. And, you know, like probably a potential future NHL GM himself. Uh, But, uh, you know, he's just brought some, uh, you know, just a good format, good structure uh, to kind of everything they do in Hartford and um, just, you know, kind of just getting everything up to, you know, like the Rangers, you know, are one of the premier teams in the NHL. And I don't think, I don't think the operation in Hartford was always kind of like always matched that. And I think, mm-hmm. I think the last couple of years he's brought things up to speed and just, you know, it's just, uh, you know, things are just run, you know, a little bit more smoothly. Thanks for coming on, Patrick. I'm sure we're going to have you on if there's a call up, uh, you know, I obviously I think to hear from someone that's covered, the American league for so long and just mm. hockey in general for so long. I really admire uh, that you came on and helped us out. Cause I think just in general, like you said, with New York, when the big club doesn't pay that much attention to their American, uh, you know, league prospects and uh, organization, it's hard to mm. really get a gauge on what's going on from the fan, sure. you know, for fans and for uh, like, I'm covering the Rangers and Edstrom. He performed really well. I had no idea where he came from. So to get that media coverage on that's so vital and important. Um, I really appreciate it. So thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Always happy to talk uh, with Rangers fans. Uh, you know, it's uh, obviously one of the you know best fan bases around and, you know, it's fun.
Thank Thanks you. for coming on, Patrick. Thank you. My pleasure. Take care. All right, Steve-O. A lot of info there. Ryan Martin, remember that name. Something I wanted to kind of segue a little bit into what Patrick was talking about was Tampa Bay, Florida. They're coming up for the New York Rangers. Tampa Bay has a few of those players, like a Mikey Isomont, where we kind of talked about this in the beginning of the year, but a Yanni Gord in the in years past, he came up from the East Coast level. Some dogs. So, steve big matchups coming up. Even like Florida, right now Spencer Knight's not in the lineup, but there's players that have come up for them as well and have added to their Stanley Cup contending team or playoff contending team. Now, there's a little bit of controversy surrounding the Florida teams, I think, in opinion. I wouldn't say controversy, just the difference in opinion. What do you see coming up, previewing those two games? First off, I want to say um, uh, Patrick was bringing up names like Matthew Robertson. And it's so weird now. You know you're getting old, Chives, when you're gonna, we're going to be watching players that were born after us. So, yeah. And Matthew Robertson is one of them. So to me, that's just you know you're getting old. But moving on here, um, and I think, listen, it's great because most Rangers fans, let's be honest, don't really, you know, are not really – paying attention to what's going on in Hartford. You know, we know the general story points, you know, with Othman and, you know, we know Ben Harper's down there, you know, but uh, we don't really know what's going on. You know, yes, we know they're good, but um, I thought that was a great opinion to see. But transitioning, moving on here, big games. I mean, Chives, these are big games to wrap up the year. Not only that, but again, we're we're finishing the year on our back-to-back slate. Uh, mm-hmm. Not a fan of, but um, I first of all, I want to see a different outcome. I, I, I don't want to see no split. I would love to take uh, both games here on the road, too. And that's one thing this year. We've been a really good road team this year as a whole. So that's definitely something that um, we could brag about, I guess. But um, I want to see Igor play well on the road. You know, and we saw it in Toronto, but um, I want to keep it up. You know, consistency is something where we want to keep it up. Um, It's going to be important moving on, especially in 2024. Um, But from Igor... We kind of, or at least I thought, you know, um, I want to say a couple of weeks ago, we thought he was turning the page and then just came out and blah, that game at home against Toronto. So um, I, I want to see consistent. He's kind of turned it around his last his last two games here. But um, I, I want to see, you know, a, a turnaround, whether he gets the nod against uh, the Panthers or he gets the nod against Lightning. Um, who Who do you think? Let's say you're uh, Lavalette. Who are you starting uh, on which well, night? Yeah, I think it's tough because, I mean, the Capitals game, you know, it kind of – I think it will depend a little bit on that. Um, but I don't know if this season we've seen Chester can go, like if there's a Tuesday game. I don't know. Check me on this, but I don't think he's rolled like Shesterkin on Tuesday, then Shesterkin on, you know, Saturday, and then quick on Sunday. It usually goes like one to the other. Um, so I'd be curious to see, I'd love to see Shesterkin though, go, you know, against the caps and then against, uh, you know, to start against one of those teams, you know, to kind of get a a rhythm going and have a little more consistency, but it's interesting. The whole goalie sitch this year is weird, Steve-O. Yeah. And that's why I asked you, cause I think not that we have to, but I think we got to kind of break 
that rough or slowly transition away from that. Again, you saw a lot of games where it's we go Shesty out there, we go back to Quick, and then we go back to Shesty. I'm going to yeah. start seeing Shesty and then Shesty. Now, again, you can't really blame Lavioletta with a system for this because, again, the schedule's got a huge portion of play with this one. Again, we're playing back-to-back every single week. I mean, of course, you're going to get quick, and then you're going to get Igor. I mean, not to break it up. But as we transition past the first week of 2024 and going into January February, we're going to see less and less of that back-to-back uh, games. And we're going to see more more back to the traditional Monday, Wednesday, Friday kind of rotation or or Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday rotation. So I, you obviously want to see Igor start to get back-to-back. And not only that, but perform well uh, against quality opponents. But I'm with you. I think you go Igor with the Caps. I think uh, Panthers coming up first. I think you go with Quick, and then I would throw Igor right there against the Lightning. I mean, that's a that's a, a big opponent there, and the Lightning have been playing some good hockey. All all those teams have been playing good hockey, especially the Capitals. I mean, the Capitals are probably one of my biggest surprises this year in the NHL. Yeah, I mean, the Caps are a surprise team, and then you have two teams that you know what? I think it's like that Gino quote, like Drew Locke. <laughs> Man, they wrote a lot of people wrote them off. They ain't right back, all right? So I think Florida was, I wouldn't say legit last year. Were they a surprise? Yeah, but I do think a lot, and, you know, for the pundits that said it, I, I applaud that. Um, two years ago, they won the President's Trophy by miles. They had some of the most goals for per game, like, ever. They then win, uh, not win, my apologies, they win the Eastern Conference, but they go to the Stanley Cup Final. Why, are, why was anyone counting them out this year? And on top of that, Tampa Bay Lightning, they didn't have the best start, but Pittsburgh Penguins style, you got your club cornerstones, you can do anything. So I do think that's, again, like you said, that's a huge test because they're, what I said last week, a sleeper to me. That's a team that's a sleeper, a team that has the capability to win a Stanley Cup, but is kind of being written off. I think that that's not a good, it's not a good mix, man. So I do think if you're an opponent, so right now, um, I don't think the Rangers are sleeping on them. I think they know what the Tampa Bay Lightning are capable of. They've had some pretty gutsy matches against them in the last number of years, couple of years. And I think they're going to have to – they can't take that game lightly. And, again, like you said, back-to-back, they're 8-1-0 and following a loss. But the back-to-backs, there's been a lot this year. Um, and, and I do think that's something – it's an odd schedule. So we'll see what happens. They have three games coming up. And they're pretty big tests rolling into the new year. Yeah, and here's another thing to remember. We are the best team in our conference. So there there really shouldn't be, when you're the best team, there shouldn't be no team that scares you. You know, mm-hmm. and Tampa and, and Florida are definitely ones that, you know, you look at the standings, they're way below us. Now, mm-hmm. a part of the reason why I think Washington is is up there in the standings, and listen, talk about Stanley Cup contenders. I mean, you got to – you got to talk. I'm not saying the Islanders are, are, you know, a contender, but they've been playing really good hockey too. I mm-hmm. think they've been playing better than both the Devils and the Hurricanes combined. Oh yeah. Um, but part of the reason why and and for, uh, the Flyers, yeah, Philly's yeah. been hanging in there too. But um, nonetheless, um, a reason why the Capitals are hanging in there, I think, in my opinion, is I mean, you got to look to the Devils and, and the Hurricanes. I mean. Both of them, I think they're 17 and 13 up to this point. I mean, if you we go back before the season starts, and I, I'm going to say we're entering 2024, 
and I and I list out, you know, who the top three teams are. You know, I'm putting Carolina and New Jersey in there, and they're not even in, uh, not even in the top five as of right now. So they're not even in the conversation. I hear you. I get what you're saying. Yeah. So that's part of the reason why Washington's been able to to slide up. Now it, it is interesting to note. I think Tampa just beat Washington in their last game, two to one. It was a close one, and the Panthers. Uh, beat Vegas. So both teams Ooh. are coming off of of uh, really strong performances, just like how we beat the Sabres uh, in a good performance. Both teams are playing hot hockey as of now. Um, so we'll see the result. Is there anything before we wrap up, Chives, that you want to see in these matchups? Uh, for me, I listed out, I think uh, whatever game is Igor, I'm hoping is Tampa, um, but I want to see him whatever game he's playing. Let's, let's get a strong suit. Two out of three. You got to assume Igor is going to play two out of three. So I want to see strong performances in him. And five on five, I want to see a strong five on five play from this team. That's definitely something that's not a concern right now. And I like the point you brought up with the lineup. The lineup definitely, I think, definitely has has a little bit to do. You know, we're mixing and matching a lot of guys. You know, Kako's not in there. We're missing a couple guys. But that's definitely something that, you know, when we get to March is going to have to be, you know, uh, maybe post-trade deadline. Um, by the way, that's going to be fun. I, I can't wait to talk about that. But post trade, post trade deadline is something that's really going to have to be finished, putting uh, putting the finishing touches on. So, what are Chive's points for uh, this week's three game slate? Yeah, I think there's three things. Honestly, one, like you mentioned, Kako, he's apparently skated three to four times last week. So, I think his recovery time is a little bit faster than anyone anticipated. That's a good thing. Philip Heedle, though, the more, and I think the longer it goes, the more concerned I think everyone is. And uh, there's reason to, because it is it is strange to think that, you know, the team's performed really well without him in the lineup, but it's not really about that as much as, one, his personal health, but two, also for the team's sake, um, it, it's weird to think that he hasn't been a crucial piece this season after how he's played through the last number se- uh, couple seasons. And then the other thing, I think the number one thing, actually, different angle, and I agree with you, everything you stated, Alexi Lafreniere, he's been generating like a turbine on offense. I'd love to see some finish because there was a stat, I think it was Megan Chaka again, Chaka, uh, she put up something where it was like the best high-quality chances generated between a duo this season, and it's Panarin to Lafreniere. So, and I thought last game he looked phenomenal against Buffalo. So I, I do think all nobody's really quote unquote called Lafreniere cold right now because he's playing so well, but I love to see him finish and gain some of those numbers. Um, yeah. I don't think he's snake bitten either. Like, I just think it's one of those things that when he does start clicking, like he will seem like a legit young under 23 NHL player. And I think it's something that fans have wanted to see for a long time. So that is, the number one thing I'd like to see this weekend. Well, I, I would want to say nobody said it because I remember you mentioned it, I think, uh, either the last episode or two episodes ago. And I, it takes me back to a stat that I saw uh, a couple couple days ago. Uh, what what was the best uh, – what was the most surprising performance in the NHL? And Lafreniere was like one of four candidates. Um, oh, wow. And everybody else was like 
you know, glorifying Lafreniere this year. But as a Ranger fan, you kind of sit back on these last like 10 games here and you're like, he's kind of fizzled out. And I certainly agree with that. So, you know, from an outsider, it's interesting to hear other people's takes and seeing how great Lafreniere has been. But, you know, as a Ranger fan, you know, you definitely notice that he's definitely, you know, I agree. I wouldn't want to call it cool down, but he's definitely trending in that direction. I'll say that's fair. Um, So kind of want to get him out of that category, especially if we're not going to be seeing, uh, you know, Hedo back in the lineup uh, anytime soon. So I agree. That'll wrap us up here on this episode of Puck Talk CS. Please, please check out and follow our socials at Puck Talk CS. Our Instagram, we're going to be pumping out reels. Uh, on this interview, Patrick, that was awesome. Again, tons of AHL con- uh, content that really, you know, a lot of Ranger fans, again, probably don't follow up with, but I thought it was highly informative and a great listen. So follow that out. Good luck this week, LGR, and always remember, it's just the luck of the puck. <laughs>